0: And then I got five minutes over, so we make up for it. Um, all right, I'm really hoping I've got my timing down, Pat. I've only got a small amount of slides today, but uh, but it's it's an interesting one, and it's the last of, of of the depressing bits before we get sort of from verse 20 onwards, which is the really good stuff for us anyway. Um, so uh, we're all up and running. <coughs> I might open with a prayer. Uh, forgive me for the the croaky voice. I've been sick during the week. I'm getting over it, but it's um yeah. Apologies for being so. Grouchy on the uh, on the on the audio. All right. Um, so I'll open in prayer, and then we'll get into it. Um, <clears throat> Lord, thank you very much uh, again that we can continue to study Your Word this morning. Uh, I pray, Lord, that um, some of these final difficult prophetic elements that we're going to look at today, um, although difficult for us to to comprehend as as saved individuals, I pray, Lord, that if there be anyone here today that Falls into the camp that Jude's talking about, that they might uh, that they might seek your word, seek your truth, seek your wisdom, not through anything um, of themselves, but only through you and the guidance of your Holy Spirit. I pray, Lord, that uh, that what will be presented today would be edifying for everyone here, and I thank you that uh, that we can gather here in safety, um, and and absorb your word and be instructed by it and be nourished by it. So, uh, so please uh, bless the 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 words that come from my lips. Um, let let me not falter in what I'm presenting, and uh, and let us let us move and continue to move through your word. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. So, I'm not going to go over everything again, but um, where we've got from verse five to thirteen, these these um, these historical uh, uh, elements, very very historical, going right back to the beginning of uh, of Genesis. Um, uh, the extracurriculars and the assumption of Moses and the book of Enoch, and, and in numbers, um, we've got multiple examples that, that Jude gives for us. And what we looked at over the last two weeks um, was an ancient warning in Enoch's prophecy, from verse fourteen to fifteen. Um, uh, that's Enoch's prophecy and a very ancient warning, one that in his time had considered to become true, but Jude had kind of usurped the wording of it. Um, to, to instill or to, to instruct us that the Lord is still coming. So it was an interesting way of taking a historic prophecy and and making it relevant, as it still was, but, but using tenses to make it uh, continue to be prophetic in its time. Um, verse 16 was really a, a, a not a repetition, but a detailing of this need for exhortation that exists in, in um, Jude 3, where he said, I wanted to write to you about something, but I've got something more important to talk about. And this is the something more important to talk about. So it's kind of bookended what he's spoken about from verse three all the way to 16. And what we're looking at today is what I would consider a recent warning. Um, And I'll I'll sort of, we'll get into the details of recent, but it is recent in the terms of when it was written in its application at that point in time. And it is recent for us now. The exact same application as it existed back then applies today. So when I'm referring to a recent warning, uh, it was very recent in the, in the terms of Jude. It hadn't even necessarily been written down, and we'll, we'll, we'll see that soon, but it is still just as recent for us. It is still just as applicable to us today with, the, uh, with these apostolic prophecies. Um, and then in, in the, uh, the, the ending of our sessions, we'll look at the defence against the interlopers. This is really the lovely bit. Um, as much as Jude has been a heavy slog getting through quite depressing examples and, and, and depressing outcomes for these individuals, we've got this assurance that comes through from verse 20 to 23 and things that we can actually do, this is something that I really like about the book of Jude, there is a practical application that you can apply to it. It's not theoretical. You've got practical examples that have happened through history but then he also gives you practical application and, and I'm excited to get to that one but we won't quite get to it today. We'll be, we'll be in verse uh, 17 to 19 in the Apostolic Prophecies which do have um, uh, a, a, for those that are saved... A positive outcome um, but unfortunately for those that are not uh, as we'll see um, uh, a a very negative one but it should be inspiring to us and, and from verse 20 to 23 we'll see what that inspiration can do and how we can apply that Um, so, alright, we'll start in verse 17. I'll read, um, I'll read 17 to 19, because that's where we're going to spend our time today. Uh, but we're in the book of Jude here, obviously. Uh, he says, But, beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lusts. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the Spirit. So it's a very short and, and honestly, when I was reading through this, even multiple times, it was kind of the fastest one to read. Even though each verse in this seems to be packed with so much, 17 to 19 seems rather rather sparse and kind of slows down. And I think that's that's apt for, for the way that you would read it. Um, the, the way I kind of see it is is as he's reading from as you read from verse uh, one to four, as he's giving his, his accreditation of of what he's talking of who he is to talk to these individuals and what he wants to talk to them about. Verse 5 to, where are we, 16, is basically the equivalent in, you know, these these sort of uh, television shows or movies where somebody slams down an entire case of evidence against something. And it's kind of the big dramatic moment or the big reveal. Here's everything I've got against these individuals. And he goes like a freight train from 5 to 16. And it gets faster and faster as you go. When you look at verse uh, 5 to 7, you've got three examples that take up or, you know, the equivalent in our terminology of three separate verses, and they're quite lengthy, five to seven. But he does the equivalent in verse 11. There's three just as beefy examples, and he does it in one verse that's a lot shorter than any of those three preceding verses. So, I'll, sorry, I can see everyone having a, having a look and some, some furrowed brows, which is good, it means we're looking. Um, so, five, six, and seven here, when we're talking Israel's rebellion, the angelic rebellion, and Sodom and Gomorrah's rebellion, these are hefty verses. If you just look at them physically with the amount of words that he puts from five to seven, they're quite big. But when we're looking at verse 11, there's just as much, if not more, packed into these three examples, and they exist in one verse. And we spent an incredible amount of time on that one verse, as we did in five to seven. And it's, it's almost a, a, a bit of a, you know, a, a, I won't say a flex, but a, a, a position of Jude saying, look, look, w- look, what God has done through me through this letter, I can give you these great examples. And then I can use, as we've spoken about, especially yesterday with, uh, sorry, last Sunday, not yesterday, um, with all of the different philosophical thoughts and the intelligent people of the day and what they liked. He's he's going faster and faster and condensing all of this information in there. This would have excited these individuals as they were going through it. Look at what he can do with such a small amount of words. And it's it's amazing what he's he's done there. So he's gone very, very, you know, it's almost like a, a reverse pyramid. He's got a whole heap of information here and it just gets faster and faster as we move through it. But we kind of slow down when we come to these. And I think it's a deliberate ploy or a deliberate tactic on Jude's behalf, and and the terminology that's used in here that we'll get into really shows that he wants us to, to think about this on a different level. These examples are absolutely important, and he spent a majority of the letter talking about it. But from 17 to 19, he really wants us to slow down and consider what this means. It's easy to think about it in historical terms. These people have passed. That is what's happened based on their decisions. But now he's talking about what's happening today and the implications for not just the people within the congregation that he's talking to, but the implications for these individuals that have come in and what their actions are doing within the church. And it's important for us to recognise that because it's the core of what we're getting at here. Um, And it's a difficult lesson to learn, but an absolutely important one. So I'll flick through here. So... To repeat, and we did this back in verse 3, this is another triplet or a rule of three as we talk about here, he says beloved. <clears throat> so in verse 3 he has it, he says beloved when I gave all diligence to write unto you on the common salvation. So that was as, as you may remember if you can remember all the way back to the the second lesson I think we did on Jude. This, this was his way of enticing his readers but the word that's used here has its root word in agape which is this Concept of brotherly love. He's, he's brothers and sisters. He's talking to the people that he loves. This is—it may not necessarily be his congregation that he's writing to, or that this letter is reading, being read out to. He might not have ever met half of these people. He knew what was going on in their congregation. But I wonder if even there was a specific congregation that Jude was writing to here. It's applicable to all of us today. Every single church that's out there, this letter is applicable to through all time since Christ's salvation for us. Until today, it's applicable. I consider this to be as written as personal to to our church and myself as it would have been to any other individual that he might have had in his mind at the time of its writing. Some of the other epistles that are out there will specifically recognise a church or individuals that are in there, but there is no naming of anybody here. There's no location, geographic region, individual church or, or individuals that are named. In some of the other epistles when he's talking about these interlopers, Some of the other epistles, especially ones that Paul's written, he'll identify and name people. Now, we don't know who they are. Their names have been lost to history. But this specific letter is general. uh, As as we said at the beginning, it's for everyone. But he is specifically and, and has consistently referred to the Beloved, and it is being those that have the common salvation. He explicitly states it. I wanted to write unto you of the common salvation. It's very clear who he's writing to. It wasn't just to say, I wanted to write to you about this, but I'll write this instead. He could have just started the letter saying, I'm going to write about this. This is important to you. You need to listen. But specifically in verse three, I believe that it's there to say, I needed to write to you about a common salvation. I need you to recognize that I'm talking to you as a brother and sister in Christ. You are my family in Christ. So the triplet that he's got here is repeated again. So in verse 3, he's saying, I want you to earnestly contend for the faith. And here in the apostolic prophecies, he's got, but beloved. He's specifically addressing those that are saved here again. Here are the examples from 5 to 16. We've gone through that, but I'm reminding you of something again. And he's calling their attention to it. But beloved. It's almost like there's an exclamation mark behind that. There is another one in verse 20 to make up that triplet, just to close and round that out. We will get to that when we look at verse 20. But he starts verse 20 and then continues on to 25. With, with the positive message of salvation that comes through. So he's, he's, he's specifically put this in to call attention to someone. I imagine if this was written as a letter every time there was the but beloved, and I think I said this way back when, there'd almost be like dot points. Here are the things that I want to call out specifically to you, um, or, or, or t- little titles um, uh, interjected in between the letter, but beloved. <clears throat> the other word that he uses here is remember. Now, it's used twice in the book of Jude, um, and it's a slightly different word that's uh, translated here in verse 5. <coughs> Pardon me. It says, I will therefore put you in remembrance. This is in verse 5, sorry. I will therefore put you in remembrance, though ye once knew this. And then he goes on to explain some examples historically. And we, won't, we don't need to get into that um, uh, detail, but what I want to point out is the terminology that's used. In verse 5, the word remembrance here, the translation that we've got really uh, comes down to a gentle Reminder. He's, he's nudging them. Hey, you guys remember this. You remember Sodom and Gomorrah. You remember the Israelites. It's almost, not in a jovial way, but it's a subtle reminder. You know this already. I'm telling you something you, you, you already know. You've you've read this. You've understood it. But I think the subtlety of this is kind of, well, you, you kind of, this should be forefront of mind, people. Um, there's a subtlety to it, but it is very much a gentle reminder. But here in verse 17, it's a very different term that's used, even though in our English term, we would really not have much of a separation between them. The root word here actually has to do with eating. It's chewing or gnawing over. It's dwelling on. This is a deep-seated remembrance. He's not putting... This isn't a casual reminder here of the apostolic prophecies. This is something that, A, has happened recently in their time. The apostles were around at this time, or, 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 and, and then the churches were starting to form as Jude wrote this epistle. But this isn't a mere casual, gentle reminder I need you to remember, this is something that should be forefront of your mind and something that you are dwelling on and it should keep you up at night and you should be thinking and dwelling on this and praying on it. It should be part of what you're doing. And and it's from this point forward, especially from verse 20 to 25 uh, that we'll get to in, in later sessions, it's an active contending for the faith. So what we've got in, in all the examples is, is individuals that have failed to contend for their faith and the behaviours that come as a result of failing to contend but here we're talking about, I need you to, uh, to put you in remembrance. You need to really get your head around this. And from 20 to 25, it's an active contending for the faith. There are actions that you need to put in place. And it's going to start with this remembrance. That's the first thing you need to do. So there, there is an action within this. It's not a casual, I'm prompting a reminder. You need to do something here. You need to be dwelling on this. You need to be thinking about it. So, um, all right, that has taken a while and I'm literally three words into the first verse. So, uh, all right, I'll get a move on. So <coughs> I've, I've, I've titled this area Apostolic Prophecies. And if you first read through this, he's just saying, well, you're reminding us of something that we already know. And then you're going on to tell us again more of what's going to happen to these individuals. But the term that he's using here, spoken before, the translation for that, and, and as it would have been understood at the time uh, by everyone reading it in Greek, was this was a prediction or a foretelling. So it might have been spoken before, but if you take spoken before in your Bible and you put that as, as predict or foretell, remember these words which were foretold of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. It was going to happen. And we'll look at some examples in a moment, but, but you need to, to recognize, I guess, again, with the subtleties of, of what happens in Greek versus, I guess, the, the blunt instrument that sometimes give me English things are lost in translation. Um, and here when we're saying spoken before, you know, if you want to put the note in your Bible, that is a prediction or a foretelling in the terminology that's used here. And I'm going to get even, uh, even more detailed here. <coughs> I'm going to break down the word of because um, I think this is an important one and, it's, and it's, it's, it's a lovely one in my mind. So the word of, directly translation, which is "hoopo," which is really means of. But when it's joined with a verb, a, as an adverb, The terminology there is through, okay? Now I'm going to reread the sentence and I'm going to drop of in the specific reference. So there are two ofs in in 17 and it's the one after before, all right? Because spoken before, that is the verb, that is the foretelling, that's the verb, and then you've got an of. So I'll reread this. But beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before through the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's not the apostles talking here. It's not the apostles' prediction, it's not the apostles' word that's being brought to light. It's God's word through the apostles. Now that's always the case through each of this. Is this is the inspired word of God. It's not somebody talking out of their own, their own hubris, their own intelligence. That's the very thing Jude's against. Don't use your brain to sort this out. You'll never get there on your own and we'll see it's the Holy Spirit that leads you there. It's not your brain that's going to get you there. It's, it's the Holy Spirit working through you and he doesn't even let the apostles off the hook. These individuals at that time would have been put on a pedestal by everyone that were saved, that was a Christian. So it's, it's, a, it's an important one. But when I first sort of came to that, it was, it was quite an exciting moment when I read that and reread that sentence. So, but beloved, remember the words which were foretold through the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I think that's an important one to, uh, to, to, to recognize and to apply again to all of the other epistles as you read them, um, that, that it is this concept of God talking through them. I think when we read Revelation, that's very obvious. You know, we can see it in their time as, as look. This was actually presented by the Lord, but all of the letters of the New Testament were all of the all of the Bible, all of the Old Testament was as well. It is the it is the inspired Word of God that we're looking at here. <coughs> and just to clarify as well, um, apostles. Uh, the translation here, and as it is everywhere, is the messenger or he that is sent of of our Lord Jesus Christ. And just clear, it does not exclusively mean the eleven disciples, but it does include them. So they are included in that basket, but it's it's other apostles that are out there like Paul um, these were individuals that would have been known to them um, and, and what was coming through at the time whether it was written down or through oration um, and being passed amongst the churches that's what he's talking about here so that distinction or that understanding I guess of, of who were the apostles and who weren't that's, that's a little bit easier for us we've got a, a bound book that contains exactly what we need to be it would have been, I, I feel, much harder in the time that Jude wrote this letter to, to discern from it because you would have had a lot of imposters at that time. But those imposters exist today and that's exactly what Jude's talking about. And we're going to get into very specific references that I think, um, outside of Jude, that, that echo what he's talking about. Um, and it's very specific that I put 11 disciples there because I wrote 12 and then had to think about it. That no, We're only talking 11 there. Um, <coughs> so... Verse 18, how they that told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk, over, uh, who should walk after their own ungodly lusts. So that they told you, um, another translation is they that said to you. Um, and, and although this is absolutely a, a, a relevant and, and apt translation, um, I think the word said, at least in our current mindset, um, is a bit different to told. It just puts it in a slightly different context and what I want to break down is three words within this. Um, not going back to the original translations but just to talk about, I guess, what <coughs> what the context here and what the implications are. So the word said or told, that implies that it was spoken to them, not written. And it's very specific, the terminology here. Uh, it was spoken to them of the apostles. Um, now, that might not have been firsthand. It might not have been sitting at the foot of an apostle but these Words would have been passed around through the churches, sometimes through letters that were read out loud, sometimes through people repeating those stories. Um, so they, they, he's saying you would have heard of this somehow, but he's specifically making reference to it being spoken to them. So it might not have been, like I said, first hand directly from an apostle, but the context here, regardless of whether it's first hand or second hand, is still that it was spoken to them. It is something directly to them. And and I guess you think, well, there's a distance there between then and now. There's a a bit of a differentiation because I'm not hearing it from that. But if you go back one verse, it's the Lord speaking through the apostles. The Lord speaks to all of us through the Holy Spirit. We're getting that still directly today. It is being spoken to us, right? You might read it here, but it's the Lord speaking to you. And I think that's something that, that, again, those that are saved, that can resonate with. These are just words on a page to anyone unsaved when you're saved that is the Lord talking to you to your heart to your soul and and inspiring you here so I don't want it to be something that you take away and go okay it was said to them at that time now it's written down it's in this beautiful format it's presented in my Bible and I take that around with me no God's still speaking it today to anybody that will listen to us to get to us he is talking to us um so it might have been they that told you but it's it, it, it's god speaking to us firsthand there's no second hand in that uh the other word i want to break down is you so the the words <coughs> were not spoken to the world in general but spoken to those that are saved the you here is you and me it's not a general you it's not the word he spoke it to the world No, no no he told you that there should be mockers in the last time The mockers that he's talking about is the world in general, the unsaved. Those are in the other camp. The people that he's speaking to here that told you, underline that you, that is you that he's speaking to. Okay? So the the non-believers are in the camp that the apostles are talking about at the latter half of 18 and in verse 19. They're the ones that aren't listening, but he's told you. He's telling you today. The last word I want to break down is, is the they. They told you, not we told you. And this is an important distinction. Jude, in this letter, isn't considering himself an apostle. He's, he's sort of similar to what he did in, in verse 1, where he could have called on the fact that he was Jesus' brother, but didn't. He said, I'm, I'm, the, I'm, I'm the slave of Jesus, but I'm the brother of James. That's, that's the authority on which I speak. But the first bit is the authority that I speak on is that I'm the slave of Christ. He brings it back here. He says how that they told you. He's talking about the apostles, but he's not putting himself in that. Now we would consider him to be an apostle through this epistle, but he's not considering himself that. He is distancing himself from it, not to say, "I'm uh, woe is me," and you know, aren't I, "Aren't I? contrite?" and 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 you know, putting himself, you know, uh, put it, putting a negative compliment on himself in, in in that respect. He's specifically distancing himself from it because he's saying, and, and I believe this, and again, test this through the word. I believe he's saying he needs the reminder just as much as everyone else. He's, he, uh, this is to me as much as it is to you. They told you that there should be mockers in the last time. I need a reminder of that as well, I believe, is, is what Jude's saying there. But regardless of what he's trying to imply there, he is distancing himself. He's not considering himself a an apostle. And that regards, pardon me, sorry. <coughs> okay, mockers. This term... Uh, it, it, it's kind of soft in today's society to call someone a mocker. That was, that was harsh, harsh language back in the day. That would have stood out. That was, that was uh, not a nice term that would have been used. It definitely would have gotten attention and it would have been, you know, the equivalent of putting in not, not some foul language but some harsh language in, in a letter today. Um, again, the, the, the terminology or the direct translation would be a derider and that's anyone that would undermine God's word and so doubt in the minds of others. What's happening throughout this a lot of the time is that these individuals that have come in, these interlopers, are swaying the hearts and minds of saved people. That's what's happening. If it was, if it was these individuals swaying the hearts and minds, if it's unsaved, continuing to, to feed the rhetoric to unsaved, that's one thing. But he's specifically talking about a saved group of individuals that this person or people have injected themselves into and are undermining the word of God. How are they swaying people? It's not going to be through, look at the great things that I've got. They've crept in unawares. They're doing subtle things. And how are they doing it? They're bringing down the word of God. How do I know that? Verse four, they're turning the grace of God into lasciviousness. That is the root of what they do in all the examples. Did God say that? Did he mean that? God said he promised us the promised land, but I, I'm, I'm too tired to deal with this anymore. The angels, I know God's got a provision for us, but I want to do something else. Sodom and Gomorrah, I know I can have peace and love through God, but I'd rather seek it out lustfully in, in the flesh. Um, uh, and then we've got you know, Cain, Balaam and, and, and Korah, all three examples of individuals that corrupted groups through a mindset, through a mob mentality, but they corrupted individuals off of their own um, uh, personal belief system. Um, and we saw that in all the examples that he gave us of these interlopers, that it was a personal belief system, it was an understanding through intelligence and through self, not through the Lord, that got them there. <clears throat> so, when we're talking about these mockers, that's what he you does. Know, it's, it's a subtle word, and, it, and it's easy to read through in the middle of verse 18, but it's a harsh word of its time, and it gets to the core of what they're doing. They're undermining God's word, they're mocking God's word, they're blasphemers, they, they, they speak ill of his glory. And they reject it because it doesn't fit with their truth, like we looked at with, with a lot of the philosophies last week. So that's a, it's a simple word, but it, it, it packs a lot of punch, especially in the day. <coughs> so there's also the term last time. Now, I think we all kind of know what that's referring to. That's referring to, to, to the last times, to, to the Lord's judgment, his coming. This is the only time that that word is ever used in the New Testament. However... Last days is used, and there are some specific examples that I wanted to have a look at. So I, I can flip to them and, uh, and read them out as per usual, <coughs> but feel free to, to go back through them in your own time. So 2 Timothy 3, one, This also know that in the last days, perilous times shall come. And we'll go back through this in, in a little bit more detail, but just to, to give you an example of what we're talking about. The last day, perilous times shall come. Now more specifically in John, the Lord, Jesus, uses this four times, this exact terminology of last days. Uh, So in John 6, 39, And this the Father's will hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I shall lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. Verse 40, This is the will of him that sent me, that every one that seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Uh, Verse 44, No man can come to me except the Father, which has sent me, draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. And 54, Whosoever eat eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood, hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Now I didn't just give those four examples of the Lord talking specifically for last days. I mean it does fit with what we're talking about here, but in all four of those examples, it is a belief and an un- a belief followed by an understanding, followed by the Lord raising up on the last day. Now that doesn't echo with, with, with what Jude's been talking about. it doesn't echo with your understanding of salvation then you need to reassess it. It's an understanding that comes through the Lord. It is an acceptance of his grace. Whosoever eateth of my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. None of the examples in, in, in what the Lord was talking about through John did anybody have to do anything for it. It came to them through the Lord, and the Lord will raise them up on the last day. That's how he answered it every time. 39, raise it up again at the last day. I will, 40, I will raise him up again at the last day. 44, and I will raise him up at the last day. And 54, and I will raise him up at the last day. We've said that if the Lord repeats something we've got to it four times in the space of a couple of verses, spoken by the Lord himself, we need to listen. So um, everything that we've got here, all of the apostolic prophecies make reference to the same thing. It's godlessness in the last days. But what do we have in the Lord? We will be raised up in the last days. So we've got another rule of three here. Um, oops, sorry, need to flip back to Jude. Where we're talking about uh, who should walk after their own ungodly lusts. So we have spoken about this one specifically, but just to reiterate now that we're at it again. In verse 11, uh, the word gone is also translated um, as, as walked. Walked in the way. So we're going to see an escalation as we do all throughout Judy. He kind of puts them not necessarily in chronological but in escalation order. Um, an order of importance from, from least to most. We've got verse 11 which is gone, walked in the way. That's following a corrupt moral example. We're specifically talking about Cain in that reference but the parallel is just following a corrupt moral example. Then we've got verse 16 which is walking after their own lust. That's pursuing personal desires. All right? It's a step up. One we're kind of following someone else's example. Now We're kind of beating to the march of our own drum. Now, the last one here is almost identical to what's in verse 16, but he puts the word ungodly in there, and there's a reason for that, and that's because they're working after their own ungodliness. That is following passions of or towards ungodliness. There is an absolute escalation there, and it's a slippery slope, and it's an easy path to follow. I've seen something that looks appetizing to me. I might follow that. Someone mentioned something that seems more appealing. The past of the Bible, everything I read is telling me this, but it's not really applicable in today's society, so I've kind of got to follow this thought train, this logic, right? That's following your corrupt moral example. Then all of a sudden, well, okay, if that's acceptable, what can I follow after that? What personal desires can I then make applicable to me and justify through this, this personal interpretation of the word? And then at the end, well, you're done. You're following your passions either to or of ungodliness, you're either going towards ungodliness or the very passion that you're pursuing flies in the face of godliness. And I think, again, this, this resonates with believers more than unbelievers. Unbelievers are lost in that. They don't understand that. But once you've been saved, tempted, and fall in that temptation, which, uh, I, you know, I can't, it's countless. It's countless the amount of times that that's happened in my life. But these... Again, there, there is that, 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 that separation that Jude has, that these mockers in the last time should walk after their own ungodliness. We've done that, but as we've read, and I wanted to put the references that the Lord had in John before we got to this, our understanding and our acceptance of the Lord, that doesn't matter. We will still be raised up with him in the last days. And that's, that's an important one to take away. So we've got, I can't remember when we stop. Is it five past or 15 All right, I've got 10 minutes. we might do this on time. I'm really excited about that. (coughs) Although I've got some very um, long-winded verses that I need to get through. I'm not long-winded for them, long-winded for me, because you'll be hearing me talk, uh, reading out of the Bible. Um, So I wanted to take a sort of bit of a break here before we go into the detail of verse 19, but uh, asking the question, well, okay, using this epistle of Jude, so we've had all of these examples, we've got his understanding, we've broken it down over many, many weeks can we identify any of these apostolic prophetic warnings in the New Testament? So that's not to say that there aren't other, you know, Jews give many examples of, of extra canonical uh, uh, verses and texts that he uses to to emphasize his point. But are there, is there anything specific we can get out of the New Testament? Now, <clears throat> I have been through uh, several commentaries on this. Uh, this is obviously not something I've just kind of slapped together. I've tested this with the Bible. But this is very much my understanding or me pulling out specific verses as I feel they apply to the book of Jude. The word of warning I give everyone here is that I am fallible, that I don't want to be a stumbling block unto anybody. Please test this with your own understanding. Take this so if you do nothing else homework wise, take this home, work through these verses, get an understanding of them and compare them to the book of Jude. But I'm hoping, if I've if I've done this right, that as I read through these, there'll be an absolute recognition and a resonance of what Jude has spoken about the entirety of the time through his, through his letter. So I'll work through these uh, uh, in, a, in, in the order that I've, I've got them here. So Peter, here specifically, the, the, the Apostle Peter, talking in 2 Peter, <coughs> chapter 2, verse 1 to 3. Truth shall be evil spoken of. So I'll work through, uh, I'll, I'll read that one out now. Um, so 2 Peter 2, 1 to 3. But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that brought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. <coughs> if that first verse alone doesn't resonate with what Jude's talking about, it continues there, and many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of, and through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you, whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. So what are we are talking about here? We're talking about false, false prophets, people that have come in unawares, that are, that are talking heresy, denying the Lord, bringing upon themselves destruction, convincing others by reason to take truth, speak evil of it, and then throwing flatter, through covetousness, through 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 feigned words, they're going to make merchandise of it. They're going to take advantage of these individuals, but their judgment, a long time lingereth not. So we're talking about. Jude talked about a, you know the, the condemnation of these individuals was said a long time ago, and this is the bit that, that that is scary. And their damnation slumbereth not. It's it's today. These are apostolic prophecies of are uh, 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 happening now. We are in these these times. I'm not saying we're in we're in we're at judgment day please don't get me wrong but we we are we are living through these times. We are living through what we're talking about here and and Peter's echoing it here um, uh, that these individuals are here today. The, this is not a a future prophecy. These individuals are with us and amongst us now. <clears throat> and it didn't take long. We're talking about the Lord having been crucified only a few short years before this letter's come out and these individuals are already corrupting it. Yes. Yeah. Over, over yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. And uh, if you've ever dealt with one of those, if you bring up a Bible verse that the tongues are not pleased with the tongues were full, um just the Jews in that time. They will ridicule yeah. kind of you. Yeah. Uh, exactly. No, it's a it's a perfect example. I think we've all come across individuals since we've been saved that we've maybe tried to preach that maybe you 're in a, a a denomination that doesn 't resonate with the bible that, that doesn 't apply individuals that aren 't saved individuals that are in other religions and it 's a perfect point I might, I might stop here I was going to do it a bit later on and talk about what 's happened but this is it 's a good segue into it The devil 's incredibly smart Don't don 't get it twisted he 's much smarter than any of us <laughs> what is he what is he doing but when we have these debates especially in today's society what is, what is the rhetoric that's there and, um, and we're, we're going to talk about actually no sorry I will save it because it specifically goes into a terminology but keep it in mind it's separation and factionalism I'll, I'll get to it sorry sorry, Branko but um, I, I, we'll come back to it um, but yes it, it, the devil's clever put it that way and we'll, 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 I'll, I'll give a perfect example of, of what's going on there but we'll get to one of the other uh, apostles here in John uh, John speaking in 1 John 4 uh, verse 1 to 3 <coughs> Beloved, believe not every spirit. He's talking about people here, not spirits of, 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 of otherworldly spirits. We're talking about individuals here. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits. Try those examples. Not as in, try as in taste of them and, and understand. Try them as in, as in test them. Test them. Whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. They're there. This is, this is happening now. Hereby, know ye the spirit of God. Every spirit that confess Confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God, and every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And that is the spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now it is already in the world. Okay, it's here today. It's very obvious. And it, again, I'm hoping that this resonates and echoes with what we've read in Jude, that I'm not pulling these apostolic prophecies and just calling them that and we don't know what they are and they're lost to time. These 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 exist. Yes. Yes. Sorry, Adam. When you say we believe not in the spirit, you said that it refers to people, not spirits. Yep. I've always thought that it did refer to spirits. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you test that spirit you ask that spirit do you believe that Jesus is coming the first do you believe that Christ that uh, Jesus is the Christ Uh mm-hmm. you test them yep. you test those spirits that are possessing that uh, absolutely the, the application is for both I mean here again my, my understanding and reading into it here is is um, more, well, every individual possesses a, a soul. Um, a, a great, so when I say individual, when I'm talking spirit here, I don't mean uh, I, saw a, I saw a ghost or I had a vision or, a, or this. So it's a good point of clarification, correct. This, the spirit that's referred to here is the spirit that indwells an individual. Um, correct. Now, if they're possessed, they are obviously got a second or multiple spirit within them as well. But what we're talking about here is, yes, you can test that, but you're always going to get a lie from a demon. They're never going to tell you the truth. But but an individual you can have someone that's unsaved, unpossessed, but still rejects Christ, and that's that's this this, this uh, And every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. So there's a distancing again as well. You know you've you've either got the Holy Spirit within you or you don't. I guess if you're saved, you've still got two within you. You've got your soul and you've got the Holy Spirit as well. Um, so so yes. Oh, yes, yep. The, or the walked, yeah. That, that refers to yourself, that ending. Medical. Yes, it does, yes. It to so that person, each one of us, decides for themselves, and we we walk the way we decided to do it. Yes, very much so. Absolutely, that's the strength of this letter. That's what he's getting at. Yeah, we just look at the like. While Christ was was being taken away, there was still a denying of him. I, I want to distance myself from him. That was, that wasn't born out of anything but ego or fear for his own life. I don't know Jesus. I don't, I don't know him. I've been following him for years. I've been studying at his feet. I know that. Everything he's told me has come to pass, and that everything that he's told me that hasn't come to pass I've got faith in, but I'm still worried for myself. It, 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 Jude, and I think that's, that's, that's what he, and that's why it, it, it's depressing, I understand, but 20 to 25 brings it back, and he goes, even though this can happen, you can be swayed, you can be tempted, you can even be you can even head down that path. As long as you know Christ, he will still raise you up in the last days. There is hope for us, and there is also within those last verses a hope that we need to permeate out to others. Let this be an inspiration to us to go out there and do something about it rather than get lost in the headiness of it. Great, we've run out of time. I knew we weren't going to get there. Um, All right, I'll go. For the last one here, it's a bit of a longer one. Uh, it's Paul talking in Second Timothy chapter three verse one to nine. This is perilous times of ungodliness. This is again talking, talking towards the the, the end of things. Um, so we did read the first first verse, but we'll we'll break this down. So this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce, baker, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent. I looked it up. It is it is not Uh, what you're thinking, it is um, uh, an inability for self-control. I read that and I was like, hang on, did I read that? It's it's self-control, a lack of self-control. Fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady-minded, lovers of pleasures, more than lovers of God. If this isn't everything Jude's spoken about, I don't know what we're talking about here. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, and such turn away. For this is the sort, are they, which creep into houses and leave captive silly women laden with sins, led away with divers' lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Why? Because they do not possess the Holy Spirit that will lead them to that truth. (coughs) Now, as Janus Janus, Janus, Janus and Jambrus, apologies if I butchered the pronunciation on that, uh, withstood Moses, so do these resist the truth. Men of corrupt mind, reprobate concerning the faith, that they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be manifest unto all men as their, as theirs also was that nine that' we're, uh, verse nine in that we 're saying they 'll proceed no further, and their, their folly shall be manifest again that is that is the day of reckoning, the day of judgment where it 'll all be laid bare what they 've done will be on record, um, and just to call out the two names that are there, Janus and Jambres, again apologies if'm if i 'm if I'm not pronouncing that right. Um, uh, they don 't exist anywhere else or they 're not made reference to anywhere else in the Bible, but there are many uh, other uh, Jewish texts and, and other texts surrounding the Bible again, as, as you know Jude was a, was a fan of incorporating that in. Those are the two uh, Egyptian magicians that exist in Exodus, uh, so the specific references being uh, exodus seven eleven and twenty two they are in, in both Jewish and Christian uh, literature, they're, they're symbols or figures of those that stand in opposition to God. So that's why there's a reference in there that they, uh, in verse 8, um, that those two individuals withstood Moses and they resist the truth. <coughs> so, does anyone speak Latin? Does anyone know what that means? Do want to have a guess at what that one translates to? Divide and conquer. Very good. It is. Well, the direct translation is divide and rule, but yeah, divide and conquer. If I had if I had a chocolate or something, I would have given it to you. That was I wasn't expecting wasn't expecting anyone to get it. So well done. Um, is there anyone waiting? Do I keep going? I just want to get to the last bit. All right, I'll do it. No one's. Oh, they shut the door. Good. All right. <laughs> I'll take that as a sign. Um, all right. So we've got the word separate here. Uh, so we're talking specifically in verse nineteen, and this is another triplet here. We've got three separate things that he's talking about with these individuals. These be those who separate themselves, sensual, having not the spirit. So separating themselves is one aspect, sensual being another, and having not the spirit. So these are three aspects of these individuals. What we're talking about here is factionalism. That's the separation. So it's causing division. So it's not separating themselves in saying I'm, I'm better than everyone else or I'm making myself separate to any individual. That would again be, be quite obvious. He's talking about men that have crept in unawares here. This is subtle but it's causing division and that the factionalism specifically is when a group breaks off into smaller groups due mostly to differing opinions okay now the terminology that's used here this division um, and I'm gonna get a bit nerdy here that that's division by logical distinction and what we're talking here is rational or behavioral and and by extension biblically doctrinally so what we're not talking about here is a separation of classes it's not the haves and have-nots. We're not talking about race. It's not the, the Jews versus the Greeks. This isn't a division that we're talking about that's an obvious one. The, the causing division, the root word in this division is a logical distinction. It's something that you've borne out of your brain. It's not obvious. It's subtle. And that's what I wanted to get to here, Branko, with this, this, this concept of the, of the devil being clever. How many times in today's society is the church accused of causing factionalism? You are... Causing a rift, you 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 hate same-sex marriage. You don't accept female uh, 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 pastors. You don't do X Y's. The list goes on and on and on. You're the ones causing the separation. How clever an argument is that? Turn it on itself. You're the ones causing division. You're the you're the problem. Accept the world. Take that. Accept that. Accept all. God's love, isn't he? He's got to love it. Well, of course we love everyone, but we don't love sin. We won't accept all of it. It's, it's the cleverest argument you could put against it. But Jude's uncovering that. They separate themselves. They, they, they're separating themselves. They are the ones causing division. They'll claim that it's you, but it's them. It's, 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 an, it's an appetizing thing. Oh, okay, I, can, I don't need to be told that I hate people if I attend a church that's accepting of those sorts of things. Well, that's a lot easier. Okay, that's, that's, that's an easy way of doing it. Now, this is... Uh, I'm going to have to cut it off. There's too many people waiting. What I, what I wanted to call out was that this is not something that is you know, just for today, even though it's incredibly applicable. This had already happened in Corinth. There were two letters that Paul wrote talking exactly about this. Eight, uh, Paul had spent 18 months in Corinth. Uh, he traveled to Ephesus, met Apollo, uh, Apollos, mighty in the scriptures, he said he was. He was educated in Alexandria. He was known for being able to speak. And what happened when he got there? Right? factionalism. He's better speaking than Paul. I want to follow him. <coughs> We've got the references in, in, in Corinthians here. So, 1 uh, uh, Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verse 12. Now I say this, that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, I am of Apollos, I am of, 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 of Cephas, which is um, uh, Peter. Or I am of Christ. Well, the only ones that got it were the last ones. I'm of Christ. It shouldn't matter who. It's not, the, it's not the man, it's the message. Now, follow the man, follow the message. It's an important one to make a distinction of. It was already happening. It had happened. And, and if you want to continue to read there, because uh, we don't have time here, uh, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 3, verse 3 to 11. Now, this happened with good teachers in charge. And again, why I believe Jude isn't talking specifically about teachers is talking about individuals that have come in behind the scenes. It's subversive. It's under, It's an undercurrent. It's, it's not there. So I'm not saying Apollos is a bad teacher by any stretch. Neither is Paul. They, they were all fantastic. <laughs> they seeded churches throughout a very difficult time period. <coughs> but even with those there, we're still happening. It's factionalism. I want to follow this individual. I want to follow someone else. We're not going to have time. There's too many people waiting. Um yeah, Yep, yep, yep. Um, it's this, thank you very much. Um But it shows the truth of the Bible. Yes. That what's been changed for 2,000 years is still
1: happening now.
0: Yeah, yeah. And the Bible is predicted. exactly. Yep. And that's why Jude went all the way back to Genesis. It happened right at the beginning. It happened through Numbers. For the Jews, Genesis and Numbers is where it's at. And now we're saying, well, these are the apostles telling you this. This is Christ's These they are, they are here today, and you need to be aware of it. So I'll break down the last couple of words uh, uh, next week. I'll just close in prayer, and then I'll, um, I'll let everyone in because I'm getting angry looks. All right. Um, <clears throat> Dear Lord, thank you for, uh, for, for giving us the time here. Um, I pray, Lord, that, uh, that, that although this is uh, some difficult concepts to, to understand and to hear, I thank you, Lord, that we've, we've had the time and the patience to be able to work through it uh, slowly and, and somewhat methodically, to be able to, to gain a deeper understanding into what you would have for us, uh, the, the path that you would have us want to walk, instead of walking in our own way, instead of walking after our own, our own desires. Um, our own lusts, our own understanding of what you would have for us, that we would, we would rightly divide your word and we would walk the path that you want us to walk and that, that, that we would not be a stumbling block to others and that, uh, that, that you would be able to, as, as you say, towards the end of this, uh, of this epistle, that you would be able to keep us from falling. It's only through you, Lord, that we will be able to do that and we pray that, you would, uh, that we would hold steadfast to your word as you have and always will Hold steadfast to us. So I ask, Lord, uh, that you would that you would uh, uh, bless and protect the message that's coming um, uh, after this, and that uh, that you would continue to give everybody um, personal application, and uh, and that that whatever would be presented would be um, would be acceptable in your in your eyes. Uh, in Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.